Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Geez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. All right, after 48, 49, I think 52 hours, we are back. <laughs> it's been a while. This I is, you, Brian. I missed you, Meg. This is 
the Helping Friendly Podcast, live coming at you Wednesday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, all the way down to, what, 12.30 p.m. in Alaska? It's like midday, two weeks out from Solstice. Man, it just doesn't get dark up there right now. It's just wild. Um, We are here, myself, Brian, Megan. RJ will be with us here soon. He's somewhere off, still on tour. This is the live (laughs) version. This is not the on tour version. But we are here to talk through, for the last time ever, at least until 2027, about spring 2022. We're going to do a big recap. Everything that we heard over this last week-long, whatever you want to call it, little road trip through the south, weekend in the cornfields. I think spring tour. A lot happened. I think they called it spring tour. That's probably (laughs) the official name. Um, We're going to go through this. We are not going to go through the show by show, set by set, song by song, jam by jam, blah, 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 blah. You you all heard that. You can go back and listen to our recaps that we did of every single show, plus our pre-show and our set break. I mean, we did a lot. We have categories here. We have questions that we're going to go through. We have no idea the other person's answer although I have some assumptions of what your answers are. Whenever RJ joins, we're going to be able to do like a speed round with him of like answer, answer, answer. Give us your thoughts. Give us your insights. But I've thought a lot about this tour in the last two weeks, and we've got some ideas about kind of our favorite aspects of this, challenging aspects of this, what really jumped out at us. And we're going to approach the recap that way. But before we get to all of that, before we even get to the ad reads, it's really important that I show some courtesy to my co-host here. Megan, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing okay, Brian. This is a busy time of year. Anyone else just like maxed out? Like you got the events, the school things, the graduations, the birthday parties. I've got one and a half more days of teaching kids. There's like artwork going home. There's like kids walking in the door with like heavy backpacks arms full of shit you have to find places for like it's just that time of year you know but then it's also like gorgeous out and beautiful and I just want to be outside all the time and so it's like that promise of spring and summer but then also like reality of life so I'm in the grind but it's it's like the light at the end of the tunnel I can see it now you see it you know Mm -hmm. it's weird so when I went to school our school started the last week of August and ended the right around this time, like June 9th always felt like the last day of the year, some sometime mm-hmm. in that range. And it was always timed right around the time that the Chicago Bulls really got deep into the NBA finals. So that's what perfect. I always think about. It was perfect. It was perfect. I get out of school and they'd win the title. It was the greatest thing in the world. Um, my son starts school like the second week of August and then mm-hmm. finishes the week before Memorial Day. And I don't really get it. Like I think about last year, he went back to school the day after the Atlantic city run. And so like, it's crazy because like two weeks later, fish was back on the road and it was like summer tour. And my son was like going to school. It was very strange for me. And then he finished school. You talk about like the nice weather. That's the one thing that he made. Like may is cold and kind of rainy here in Denver. It's great. It's amazing. But like that last two week stretch in school, when you like wrote six dash two in your notebook 
and it was like 85 degrees outside and it was perfect. You're like, what the fuck am I doing in school? He doesn't have to deal with that. He gets out of school and then it gets nice. So I don't really know what I prefer. I think I prefer the way that I went to school because, you know, you get that like taste of summer and then you're like, get me the hell out of this school and you're done. But I don't know. Yeah. It, all, it also creates a lot of stress. But then you have that whole August off. And August all is like August. not a month that people should be doing anything. Like when I lived in Europe, no one works in August. I was going to so say civilized. Europe shuts down. It's the greatest. It, they're so smart. They're like, August, mm-mm, we don't do it here. We just Just chill. not even a billable hour. Mm-mm. Just don't. No. Just done. It's so smart. Are you – do you have any like last day of school – traditions like for you or for you and your kids because your kids are now at an age where like they know the last day of school is coming like wallace wasn't really excited about it because it was kindergarten like kindergarten's awesome yeah but what about you (laughs) yeah i mean it's funny my kids don't want school to end they love school they really don't want it to end it's bizarre but they do this super fun thing at their school that now they've aged out at which is kind of sad but all my third graders do it there's this park near the school where everybody goes and has like a giant water fight and it's like water balloons and water guns and these schools like team up against each other and like, well, not, yeah, like fight up, fight each other in these water battles. And it's like epic. And so I used to spend every year with my kids at these water fights and it was so cute and just magical right in the middle of Brooklyn, like right by the Brooklyn bridge in cabin plaza with these giant buildings all around and this big like monument and the kids are just, you know, screaming at each other and throwing water balloons. And it was so, it was an awesome tradition. I love that, man. Yeah. We used to have field day that was like the whole, Mm -hmm. like everyone was let out of the school and everyone just went crazy and they were like organized (laughs) games and whatnot. And then the next day you had to come back for like two and a half hours. Oh, teacher's nightmare. And you like would come back and you're like, I'm going to sit here and then be done by 12. (laughs) My mom would take us to get pizza. It was the greatest thing in the world. And then the bulls would win the the Mm -hmm. title. I don't know if I mentioned that part of it, but um, you You know, it was the greatest You might have. (laughs) <laughs> now that we're repeating ourselves on the intro, we should probably get to the ad reads, shouldn't yeah, we? Yeah, probably. Let's do it. Welcome, everyone, though, to the show. We are going to be talking the spring 2022 recap, which this this last tour had to be kind of torturous for you, man. Just like with the amount of work you still have left to do and the fact that you know you're going to see fish shows in the summer, but that's not for another month and a half at that point. I don't know. It's it kind of crazy, but you did a really good job covering this tour. It was a ton of fun. Thanks, Brian. It was so much fun. So today's episode, like all of our episodes, is brought to you by Sunset Lake CBD. They have a line of smokable hemp products that are for the old deadhead, the young fish fan, or reverse that is searching for the mellow body high. Smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoia or the anxious side effects. With nine different strains from this year's harvest, there is something for everyone, even you. Hawaiian haze is awesome for an outdoor show. Cherry abacus is best for the end of the night. All the flowers grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. Even better, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you great pricing on premium CBD flour by shipping them directly from their farm to your door. I enjoyed a lot of Sunset Lake CBD throughout the spring tour. Sitting on my back patio, having a little bit of Hawaiian haze during the show, cherry abacus to Call me down at night. Just the best stuff in the world. Everybody who's tried it loves it. They write into us all the time. Sunset Lake crew just took in their first goose show at Essex. They got a really cool tumble in the second set. That's a different podcast. So we also have the Great Beyond, which is a goose-related podcast. But my point being, they're great people. They make great products. Check them out. 
sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer owned. Vermont grown. And Megan, with it being touring season, tickets are being traded or bought at this point in time. Can you tell us about our second sponsor here? Yeah, this is a sponsor I also use all the time. It's Cash or Trade. It's the only secondary ticketing marketplace where fans buy, sell, and trade tickets at face value. So if you are not a fan of the larger ticketing marketplaces where all the prices are jacked up, this is where you need to go. Fans can DM each other before, during, and after a transaction and rate and review each other when a transaction is complete. And they're amazing. Cash or Trade has been involved They will answer any questions you have about any trade that's going on instantly. I've just found their customer service to be awesome. There's no added fees when you sell tickets, and all sales are fully protected by Cash or Trade's trader's protection policy, and that guarantees your money back. So users can avoid purchase fees with a gold membership subscription. And so visit cashortrade.org to check it out. It's an amazing company, and they're really, they've been incredible in changing the game. Been incredible. We love working Mm -hmm. with them. We encourage you to use them. I'm using them right now. I have some tickets I have to offload that I'm not going to be able to use, unfortunately, this summer because I'm going to a couple of different shows than I originally thought I was going to. So I'm using Cash or Trade, and it's just so easy. You just upload your information. Someone checks it out. Someone buys it. They get your tickets. It's incredible stuff. It's so great. So, so great. We will be talking about them throughout the entire summer. But it is time for us to move into our spring tour 2022 recap. As I said at the top, RJ will be joining us. RJ is a busy man and he's got things to do, but he's going to be joining us because he's got thoughts, insights, potentially good and probably bad opinions to share (laughs) about this tour. But you and I are going to kick this off here. Um, Listeners out there are hanging with us. Thank you. And thank you for everyone who hung with us in our recaps of each show, joined us for our pre-show and our set break hangs. Those are so much fun. It was great having mm-hmm. you all here. Um, it was one so thing fun. I would say. We were so engaged too, which was awesome. So engaged. We love it's, when people are commenting and talking to us and letting us know what they're thinking about. And it was super fun. I want to do more of those pre-shows hangs. Those were awesome. We talked about those, that those are like you're waiting in line to get into the venue and you're just having a conversation mm-hmm. with someone. It can kind of go anywhere. And uh, our listeners made it go anywhere in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. For anyone out there who's hanging with us, please, please share your answers. We appreciate you too, Les. Yeah, thanks, really Les. Do. Um, Please share your answers to these questions. I'm going to post the question on the screen here. We're going to go back and forth give a reason for why we chose what we chose here for this and really cover the spring tour in the best way that we see fit. So we're starting with the opener here. Okay. Okay. Openers were big issue, big topic of conversation Mm -hmm. throughout the spring tour. So Megan, which show opening jam hit you hardest throughout this tour? This was a really fun question because there were some, really great opening jams, like incredibly, like more than you realize, I think, but I have to go with Sigma Oasis from Alabama night two. definitely my type of jam, hypnotic groove, dancey, funky, Mike sounds amazing, just a super groovy music. And I just love starting a show like this. I think this just sets such a tone. I love this set also. 
But I think this song is just a perfect opener. If they opened every show with Sigma Oasis and jammed it like this, I think I'd be really happy. So like I said at the top, we did not know each other's answers, which is funny because we're going to probably have some that are similar, which is where we're starting here with the exact same choice here. Because it's the best. It's the best. I was thinking long and hard about this. I almost went with the character zero from the next night for two reasons. It was the first character zero opener since 2010. It went off into a really cool jam that then goes mm-hmm. into Mike's song, which goes into a really cool jam. Like that tour, that show got off to such a cool start. Oh yeah. Um, I loved it, but yeah, it ultimately comes down to 528 Sigma Oasis Saturday night. I have such fond memories of this. It was kind of like, like that night we built a fire we had a fire in our backyard and we were watching it on the screen. We made s'mores. My kid ate like four <laughs> s'mores and like three additional <laughs> marshmallows. And like he was covered in just like chocolate and goo, goo everywhere. <laughs> um, but that jam, they started with Sigma. They go into a jam. I had like 17 texts from friends who were like, oh my God, they're jamming Sigma Oasis again. And then I did a solid parenting move. I put my daughter down that night. Um, because I was like, you know, my wife deserves to watch a set, a show opening jam, just the same as I do, you know? And I was like, if I miss it, I'm going to listen back to it. So I'm, you know, trying to be a good husband, but I remember going inside and my daughter is like the easiest person to put to sleep. You put her in her, in her crib, you give Mm. her a kiss, you give her like a little rub on the belly, turn around and she's passed out. It's insane. She's like, God for children like that. Right. Oh my God. My son was not like that, but I put her, I put her down. I come back outside and they're still jamming. And when I came outside and they were still jamming, I immediately texted you and was like, this is a Megan jam. If I've ever heard one, like you said, yes, Gordo's all over it. And it just holds up so, so well when you're listening to it. So yeah, yeah, I've listened um, back to this a few times already. It's so good. Matt Higgins, who guested Mm -hmm. on the pod during our Charleston shows, gotta be Sigma. Um, He's absolutely right. And we're absolutely right. Sigma Oasis the show opening jam that hit the hardest. What other ones did we have? We had the set your soul free. Yeah. That was a pretty good one as well. Wasn't it? That was really good. Yeah. Nice songs like over 20 minutes. Yeah. It was, uh, it was overall in terms of the jamming. That was such a huge, huge aspect of this overall tour. And the fact that they came out and opened four shows in a row in that sort of way was amazing. Let's move on. Which also second. makes it amazing that people were still complaining. <laughs> There's always going to be a complaint. There's always going to be one. It's, it's true. just the way it goes. So we're going to go on to our second category here. Describe spring 2022 in one word. This is really hard. Just one. I have a phrase. You can use a phrase. I can use a phrase. You can use a phrase. Okay. It's not very poetic, I have to warn you. That's okay. But it combines, I was trying to think of a poetic way to say this, but I never landed on it. But I think it was an over-criticized, fun warm-up. An over-criticized, fun warm-up. Dive deeper into that. That that makes a lot of sense to me, but dive deeper into that. Okay. I think that this band... So often, okay. I'm gonna actually use a baseball metaphor. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. Look at what we've done. Look at what we've done. 
<laughs> I'm going to try. Okay. So this band so often hits home runs that people go and if they don't see home run after home run after home run after home run, they sometimes don't even enjoy the runs batted in, the great slides into third base, the anything else good that happens in baseball. They just are mad that they aren't getting a home run or they're mad when a player tries something incredible and it's not exactly what they wanted or how they wanted it. So that's what I mean about over-criticized. Fun, because listening back to these shows, the band was having an awesome time. You know, they were diving deep into their catalog. They were playing really well, having some incredible jamming moments. They were having fun, being silly. Um, and I feel like it was an amazing warm-up for summer tour. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> Definitely more than First one and more. foremost, like you totally get baseball. Like you, yes! you get it. You okay. totally get it. Uh, secondly, thank you so much for bringing in a baseball metaphor to describe fish. That no, just speaks my language. But yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Like, and I'm going to get into this with my word, which was, which was relaxed. Um, so I don't want to give this away yet because we're going to talk about this at the end of the episode, but um, I was listening to a show we're going to discuss next week on the show and it's an important fish show. But I was like listening to it. It's a tour opener. And I was like, this is not a show that people would freak out about, you know, like at all. Like this is a show that people would. Like if they heard now, you mean? They'd scoff at and they'd be like, what? <laughs> Two ballads in the first set? A bunch of new songs? Like what are they? Like what's going on here? And it's like one of the biggest openers that they've ever played, you know, historically for a lot of reasons. And, you know, I was thinking about just like how much things have evolved as a result of this on-demand constantly show element that you can watch every show, mm -hmm. that you can listen yeah. to every show five minutes after, all that sort of stuff. And so I think you're absolutely right. My my word relax, like I think goes hand in hand with yours in the sense that like, I don't necessarily think the band was out there to like prove anything i think the band was out there to like play eight shows and they at some point must have realized like we haven't repeated anything let's just see what else there is but they didn't dig too deep from a bust out standpoint what's really working for the band right now it's jamming it's being you know creative in the moment so they dove down that road on a regular basis and ultimately like i don't think the tour is going to like have a monumental impact on the overall band's history and i don't think it needs to and i don't think that was the point of it and so i'm right there with you fun but overly criticized relaxed sharing some of our listeners here joel schuling wow. says enveloping alan says continuum good words See, great words we're going to bring on a very special person right now. I don't know if he's ready. He's been hanging out backstage for a little bit. He better be ready because I'm bringing him on right now. <clears throat> Mr. RJB. He looks ready. He looks ready. He sounds hey, ready. <laughs> hey, RJ. Did you hear Megan's baseball metaphor about yeah, the Yeah, it was really board? great. Great, great. <sighs> Perfect. Thanks. Thanks. Perfect. My God. RJ, we are, we are on category number two here, but we're going we're gonna to ask you what – is your one word to describe spring 2022? Um, so I thought about this one for a while. The The word that, that keeps coming to mind is elusive. 
Go Ooh, on. Like, I feel like it's like there, there are these really, I know I missed the beginning, but the, some of the opening jams of these shows were just amazing. And then some of the shows were like fine. And some of them were, you know, really just amazing throughout. And then some of them seemed like slightly imbalanced. And I'm I just, I'm, I'm still trying to, still trying to grasp what, what it's all about. So that's my, that's, that's my current feeling. I like it. I would agree. There wasn't like a full cohesive idea that you could kind of gather out of all of it. The show's really varied so much. No. And like, if you think back to last summer and last fall, there was such, especially last fall, there was such a thematic element around like these new sounds they'd introduced, but also the fact that like any song could suddenly be played at any point in the show. And it, last last fall, I felt really unhinged to listen to fish shows in the best way possible, where it was just like, I don't know what to expect. Like Slave to the Traffic Light is the third song in the show, I guess, you know, like I'm going to feel these feelings now. Sure. Why not? I didn't feel that on this tour as much, but I still felt, I felt like the band was just going out every night and just playing in the mindset you would want to play. in if you were a touring musician, which is why I chose relaxed. I think elusive is right. Fun, but overly criticized. We just got to give a shout out here to Alan who says that Megan knocks it out of the park. I mean, the Thanks, baseball Alan. metaphor is just coming. Let's see how many more we can get in this. Uh, oh this God, episode. what did I do? <laughs> but RJ, we got to ask you, you, you said, so many of these shows open up with big jams and then they kind of just happened. What was the jam that the opening jam that hit you the hardest? I think the Sigma Oasis from 528. It was We didn't just, plan any of this, but we're all there together. We're already there. It's, it's pretty so different. It's it has some good good like um directions that I think are slightly different than some of the other jams we heard this tour. It gets pretty dark, gets pretty funky, and it's it's just a it's a pretty amazing opener. It, it's the opener. Yeah. As far as I'm it concerned. It. Did you guys both say that one? We, we both did. said that. I thought they were going to play another one, but it's the dust at the end of it. It's got some serious <laughs> vibes in there amazing. at the end of that jam. Not a clunk, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to our next category here. This is not a jam. This is not a bust out. Mm. This is not a big song. This is a segue. RJ, you are newest to the conversation here. Oh, so man. you are you are on deck, if you will. Um, but now you're coming to the plate. I'm just gonna keep this going. Oh, what God. was your favorite segue of the tour? Um, I think it was the the light into Mountains in the Mist, just because I love Mountains in the Mist. It was really just a perfect placement at the end of that light, and the light got kind of weird and if I was there and I was scared, I would have been immediately fine once they went into Mountains in the Mist. It was just a really well executed and, and great little cool down situation. I would welcome that song at any place in any show. I love Mountains in the Mist so much. Totally and agree. Bonus points for it not segueing into passing through. Right. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Megan, what was your choice? So my choice was the tweezer into plasma from Alabama night Two. that tweezer just like has that super weird mechanical machine sounds. And then it emerges in plasma just like comes out of that weirdness. And that's, was just the perfect song to come out of that weird end of the tweezer jam. Loved it. 
I listened back to that the other day and I don't think I realized in the moment, like how much that fade into plasma is just, it's so on point thematically fits what that jam was. I think that's a really good call. Um, before I give my answer, we just have to shout out Joel. Set your soul free jam into set your soul free, which <laughs> we really appreciate. We really appreciate that. That was yeah. that was great content for uh, the middle part of that tour. Um, Matt Higgins, Ghosts in a Sense from 527. I have a feeling that set is going to be talked about again at some point. But my choice is June 1st. Prince Caspian into Egg in a Hole into Piper into Prince Caspian. I I'm an advocate for Prince Caspian. It is um, it's like the New York Mets of the Fish repertoire. It gets no respect. It deserves respect, and it's had moments of greatness and brilliance. Prince Caspian over the last five years has been one of the heaviest hitting songs after over the last seven years since Magnaball. It's one of the most heaviest hitting songs that Fish has in the repertoire. It comes out of that massive simple and then goes into Egg in a Hole, which is now like the new Death Don't Hurt Very Long. Goes into a Piper, which I took a video of my son freaking out because it's his middle name. Um, and then that goes into a cool jam and then fades into Caspian again. You get the Caspian sandwich, incredibly rare Caspian sandwich. Absolutely loved it. But I don't think that anyone picked a wrong, that, that run of five twenty nine to six one had some good segues in it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So we are going to move on here to our next category, which I have forgotten to write on the board here. So give me one second here. Um, let's get some mid mid segment banter going. Um, <laughs> well, Austin says that the yam into the vocal jam back into more yam is definitely an awesome segue, and I hundred percent agree. And you know, RJ and I were thrilled to end the vocal jam and pick yeah. up some instruments again. So it's pretty I great. Support that. I think so, that's going to be the so new yam. <laughs> I hope <Let's> so. Hope. <laughs> I love that new approach to yam. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm right there with you guys. Um, all right. Not a ton of bust outs on this little spring tour, but there were some. What was the bust out that shocked you the most that the band played this tour? Megan, let's start with you. Quadraphonic toppling. Which may answer another question later. But, you know, I mean, it just created such a controversy. It was shocking. There was like all this discussion Fish.net was changed. I mean, it was shocking whether or not people think it was a bust out or not. That was the shocking thing that happened. It was really shocking when it happened because they teased it at MSG mm-hmm. and then for Trey to sing it and there to be the uh, yodels in the middle of it, which is a part of the studio version that I admittedly forgot about. It just, it, it immediately added controversy and fanfare to this tour, like from the start. It was exciting. I was very excited. That was crazy. The The controversy that it started is just, I mean, what the hell are we doing? Only what fish doing? nerds would be involved in that kind of a controversy. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> Do you guys think, like, I, I? it's funny, when fish came back last summer, I remember there was this, like, general mood of, like, 
I don't have anything to criticize. Just as long as they get on that stage and they play music, that is going to be the moment that I realize the pandemic is over, which it wasn't. But, you know, this was people's feelings around this time a year ago. The pandemic's over. I can go back to normalcy and I can just like love being at a fish show. And within five minutes of the Arkansas show opening, people were like, oh, they're too slow. They don't sound like they're hooked up what the hell is going on with this band? It was like, they haven't played a show in 18 months. Like just savor one night of fish. Do you think that it's possible or that it would be more fun if it is possible? I don't think it's possible, but I'm curious your guys thoughts for there not to be controversy around a fish tour. Or do you think it's just in our nature to always criticize and have controversy about Really important topics. Like, did they play this one song that they potentially played one other time? I think it's always going to be there. Yeah, me There's too. always something. There's all this, you know, you guys probably saw on the internet, there's all this drama about the Deer Creek Pit. You yeah, know? I'm trying to figure out, yeah, everybody's all up in arms about it, huh? <laughs> the guy the guy who, who is accused of doing this stuff, he started his, like, explanation in a Facebook post by saying that the woman tried to grab his pendant. Which I just thought was like so, <laughs> it's like so great. You really can't make this stuff that. up. You can't make this up. It's really. Epic. Um, I think oh we're always God. gonna. I think we're always gonna. I think we're always gonna get it. Well, I think we're all people that are mildly obsessed, and so anytime you get people that care deeply about something that is, you know, somewhat silly at the end of it, but we all care very much, so you know. This is what happens. I'm just going to put this out there as a PSA. If I ever begin, if I ever get to the point where I have a 300 plus word apology to the larger fish community, <laughs> like just, just tell me to stop going. Like it's, yeah. it's over at that point. All right. So Megan has a song that was potentially not played as her bust out the shock to the most. RJ, what was your call for the bust out that shocked you the most? I, I mean, I had to me, it has to be the, you enjoy myself in back into you enjoy myself after the vocal jam it was so unexpected and so rare that um that's just it's awesome it's just great um and i i hope they keep doing it i don't think they will i think that's i don't think that's i think it's i think that's a one-time deal personally but it happened at new year's eve too yeah but was that even a real show you know nobody was there to see it no but it was the last just, time they like played it so. in the audience i guess maybe i'm just hopeful maybe i'm just hoping no, that this yeah, I, is think the new way. I think that's fair <laughs> um that that to me was the i mean what is that i guess it's not even a bust out does slow maze count as a bust out i mean i think it's interesting what you're saying because it makes me think that if they ever do what we keep asking them to do constantly on this show which is to properly jam out david bowie in a dark and terrifying way for at least 22 minutes. Okay. We have some restrictions here that we need them to cover to make this happen. But if they do it to me, it's probably, is it a bust out of a David Bowie jam? I think so. Good question. I don't know if, I don't know if we can, maybe we we have to get that call. The fish.net guys on again. We got to get Charlie on again. Um, I want to share some audience thoughts here. Matt and Joel, while my guitar gently weeps opener. This was the first version since December, 2019 second version since 2013. Uh, Jamie says not a bust out, but that character zero opening in the slot of night three at the wharf was great. Incredible, incredible call. Alan 
fluffers versus complainers. I think just shouting out to our overall discourse. And yeah, we are here. We are in that camp of fluffers. That's all that we do. Uh, all we do here is fluff fish. It's all that we do. Uh, Matt Higgins, do you mean the maze lyrics sung over steam RJ? That's a good, that's a good hit, Matt. I like yeah. That. I mean, very much fine. has a steam vibe, whatever you want to call it. It's fine with me. Yes. Do we call it meme? Um, my call I think is the only actual bust out song that was played, which is my mind's got a mind of its own. 285 shows last time played my personal favorite show fall 2013. 1025-13, Worcester Centrum. Last run that they ever played at the Worcester Centrum. Amazing, amazing venue. We'll be back to the controversy that Megan started here. Um, Can I just address Les's question? Yeah, the please. The folks complaining we're around in 1.0 or 2.0. I, I complained for a while. Mm. So I think in 98 or so, there was some point where I was like, I was definitely un- unhappy with some of the things Fish was doing. So I definitely complained. There are, in one of the Farmer's Almanac, I have a review of a show that is not good. Just so you guys know. <laughs> That's an Easter egg for everyone. So You haven't always been a fluffer, RJ. Is that what you're no, saying? No, I mean, I guess over time I got some perspective on shit. And now I just, you know, I really enjoy being able to go see Fish still after Coventry you know, change my perspective, but mm-hmm. I, th- I think people have always complained. You know, we talked in undermine about the, the people for a louder mic thing. That was about complaining about how like Mike couldn't hear Mike and like people, people always complain and they always will. That's, that's, that's just part of the deal. Oh yeah. People just didn't have the internet to do it in 1.0, but everybody used to bitch all the time, but yeah, it's just so easy to find now. Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about this in your mind. This, like, the reason and the, and the benefit of the complaint is that at a time when you couldn't access every single show with a click of a button, you had to know what are the shows I need to hear, what are the shows I need to recommend to my friend so that he becomes my new tour buddy. Um, I was a 2.0 fan, and I learned very quickly if I'm going to talk about fish, I have to have some sense of criticism because if I was just being nice about all the music. Nobody on Fantasy Tour wanted to talk to me. And I wanted to talk to some people. So I feel like this has been around for a long time. It's a conversation that we're going to constantly revisit here. Let's move on to another potentially controversial internal discussion. Oh, thank goodness Jonathan's not on here. He'd probably get Well, he's going to probably start commenting because he's... (laughs) I hope so. What was your favorite encore of the tour rj oh man this is a hard one um it's got to be the the slow maze it's just it was so interesting and different and i don't care if they play maze fast or slow or different or over steam or whatever it doesn't i mean it's just about having fun at this point and i think that was the most fun thing it was the it wasn't there were some jams in this encore that not in that encore, but in other encores that was pretty, that were pretty cool. But I think that's, it's just the most unique and, and most interesting. I loved it. I also thought noise. it worked. It wasn't like a, so you cool. know, it was sort of a gimmicky thing, but I think it actually worked. 
I thought it worked and it was this cool effect of like, I think fish.net updated the set list at some point during the show to reflect this, the uh, sound check. Cause I don't recall seeing it before the, or like when mm-hmm. the show started. And I remember I was like going back to look at what they had played, you know, somewhere mid second set and seeing the sound check and being like slow maze. Like that's gotta be, someone has to be, had to be hearing something incorrectly. And when they came out on stage and they were playing at a slower tempo, but you heard, you know, Trey's, muting of his strings and you heard you know pages keyboard line and then you know mike's bass that comes like the way that song builds but it building very slowly it was like holy shit this is such a creative way to approach a new song or an old song i should say i thought it was megan so what cool. do you got i have the i am miami and isabella because that was an awesome encore obviously a direct rebuttal to sorry it's very loud here a direct rebuttal to Jonathan saying that they probably shouldn't play on course if it's just going to be, uh, what was it, Waste and Santos or something. <laughs> so the next night they come out with the acoustic guitar and play I Am In Miami or I Am Miami. And um, is it I Am I am In Miami, right? That's mm-hmm. the song, not I Am Miami. And um, Isabella, awesome. That's the way you end a show. I loved it. It was really great that it was such a shout out to Jonathan who – yeah. You know, you ask him anything and he's like, well, whatever they want to do. But then he was like, no, they should stop playing encores. Like verbatim, <laughs> that's what Jonathan said. He can't defend himself, so I'm just going to say that. Oh my gosh. My pick for this is the 46 Days in a Tube. Um, mm. It reminded me a lot of the Carini from San Francisco, which is the best encore I'll probably ever see the band play. Um, you cried. A, I cried a little bit. Um, around like 2017, 2018, I really got into listening to Umphreys McGee. And one thing I immediately loved about them, and Goose does this as well, is they respect the encore slot. The encore to those two bands is an opportunity to play a full jam. And Umphreys McGee plays like all in time constantly in the encore that's like fish coming out for the encore and playing a 17 minute down with z's goose comes out and they play like a 15 20 minute song all the time and i was at a point where i was like why is fish just coming out playing rocky top tweez reprise rocky top character zero it was kind of to jonathan's point of like if they're gonna do an encore like do an encore like really do an encore do it and when they came out and they play 46 days first time in an encore slot jam it out go into tube really jam that out. It was just like, that is the extra 30 minutes of music that damn it. We deserve. Yeah. And you didn't think you were going to get so good. I think I was going to get any other thoughts on encores. There were some great encores from this. Um, I will tell you that last night goose came out after they left left playing the song Yeti came back and for the encore played tomorrow never knows by the Beatles. And then went back into Yeti. I think that was like 12 minutes. Um, when I saw them a couple weeks ago, they played this one of their new songs and left the whole thing going and then left the stage and came back out and finished it. And I think fish That's should do that. Cool. It's kind of really like cool. the, it's like the stuff they used to do like at the end of, in, in the late nineties, I guess, you know, when they like the droning, they could just like leave that, leave those effects going, take a one minute break, come back. And then you have like a 30 minute jam at the end. That's just really saying. cool. Mm-hmm. 
Goose doing that with Dripfield last week was just it was a stunning musical move and yeah the yeti tomorrow never knows yeti was excellent i would love to see that because then you're basically like you're giving an encore but you're also it's not really an encore i don't know there's there's this weird middle ground that you're in it's pretty cool i i'm I'm not like a huge fan of encores really just because it's like the end and i'm like all right now we have to go home and we have to start like thinking about and usually with fish usually it's something that's just like you know it's a five minute thing i mean when it's tweezer reprise it's 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 always great, but I like first tube as an encore just because it's fun yeah. and high energy. But if it's like a you know kind of like a basic run through, you know, yeah, it's fine. I just don't like the end of the show either because it's like the I end know, of the show. No, it's so sad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, this is what the War on Drugs did when I saw them. Is they they're playing a song. There's Adam started talking to the crowd, and he goes, "We're not going to do that thing where we walk off stage and come back on stage, and you." pretend that we were never going to come back on stage. We're just going to play the four songs that we were going to play in the encore. And that's it right there. That's all you need. I just love being able to like cheer for them. Just one more time. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Just like, you know, I love being able to like cheer for them and feel that with the crowd and feel like so appreciative, watch them go off and then just be like, yeah, they're coming back on. And like, even whatever it is, I'm always like, okay. I mean, clearly I'd like it to be something like this, but. This is a really interesting question here from Vince. And I have something of like a controversial take on this. My favorite second sets are the shorter, cohesive second sets from 97 and 98, where they like wouldn't cross 65 minutes. They'd play like four songs and then they'd still come out and just play like Rocky Top Tweezer Reprise. Kind of okay with that. So you'd rather have the set have more of like, a full idea and a theme and have it be shorter. The narrative arc means a lot to me and I'd rather the narrative yeah. arc than more music. Yeah, I think I might agree with that. Do you just want more music, RJ? Or what do I you like, want? I like what you're saying. I, I mm-hmm. think a longer, I think more, more playing and like the encore break is cool, but at this point it's basically just like a, it's just built into the, the routine you know there's no real reason yeah. for it because if they're going to keep playing like might as well just keep just keep playing you know keep i mean i don't like yeah i don't need to hear rocky top you know like no i don't need to hear it either we're I really, really ragging on rocky top I really i really like don't but we're, ra- we're all really ragging on it it's fine but i don't need actually to hear you know what I, I don't know if we talked about or if i mentioned this or if i was just thinking but when we were talking about talking about 97 shows recently or i was looking at all the 97 shows i saw all the fall 97 shows that i saw with the exception of one had like a single song kind of lame encore and at that point like it just didn't it just didn't matter because like that that's as those like the palace the 12 6 97 show i think that the encore is rocky top and like why bother just like just leave you already you already did enough you know there's no there's no reason to come out and play Rocky Top for three minutes. It just doesn't, it's just unnecessary. Less us. So you're clapping, you're clapping, which brings them back on stage. You like that. Would you trade that? I would trade that for like a stronger second set. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I also feel like they're looking at the time, which changes, you know, their ability to kind of, I don't know, get lost in jams. Who knows? If Trey came out to the front of the stage and like got everybody to do one of these and like the whole audience did that and then they walked <laughs> off and came back on, would you be into that? 
No. <laughs> I would not. <laughs> that would it would suck. look so dopey. It'd be so, so bad. stupid. Now, if you got everybody to do like, I don't know, the turtle in the clouds dance or something, maybe then that'd be different. A lot of choreography. <laughs> it is too much probably. We don't have that kind of rhythm in the fish community. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So they're retiring Rocky Top. So that's cool. At least the encore spot. That's for sure. We're well, going to continue. Play it in Tennessee. You know, play it in Tennessee all you want. Yeah, but. exactly. <laughs> we're going to continue analyzing. Don't the bring that up the East Coast. Going forward. Everybody says we're fluffers, but we're literally saying like, take 15 minutes of your show and just throw it in the trash. We don't need it. No, if it's 15 Listen, minutes, Listen, for the record, yeah, I actually like encores. I'm just saying if they're going to be Rocky Top. <laughs> if, it's then, less than, if it's less than seven minutes, then just don't bother. That's what I said. Okay, yeah, there's like a time minimum. Yeah. I require. like what you guys do, Fish. But when you do it this way, I just don't care. Hmm. Yeah. Basically what we're saying. Pretty much. Um, what if they did a slow Rocky <laughs> Top? <laughs> that would fuck. I love that idea. Let's do it. Good old Rocky Top. I like that, actually. It's got a great yeah. like, that hook there in the chorus. always gets me. Um, all right. Moving on. If this were the tape trading era, speaking of vets and criticism and all that fun stuff, which set are you seeking out and then playing on? I don't know how to type, so I apologize. Playing on repeat in your car until the cassette snaps. Brian, is it just you did that because you didn't have a cassette player in your car because you're so much younger than us? Or I did have a like, cassette player in my car. Like- you know, I'm just kidding. I have a lot of tapes still and three of them don't work because it, the, the ribbon snapped. Overused. Overused. 11, 17, 94, set one, 625, Ooh. no, 626, 95, set two. Anyway, what from this tour? So this is kind of crazy. I have two, but I'm just going to say one. And if we have time for honorable mentions, I'll give that. But this is a first set, hmm. which is kind of crazy. But I really liked set one of 528 in Alabama, the Sigma Oasis opener, and then Rocking Possum. It's perfectly played. Gorgeous Reba. There's even a Roger in this set, which, you know, I don't like, but it's perfectly placed. A bust out. The final hurrah gets into this funky jam. And then I... Love this free that closed the set. Love it. That was a killer set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a I really like that set a lot. Set. Which is cool because like first sets aren't usually, you know, where it's at. But this one was awesome. I feel like they've learned how to – one of the great improvements of fish since they came back last summer is their ability to come out and play a really cohesive – first set that Mm -hmm. almost by the set break you're like not only do we not need the encore but we don't even need the second set like how do they top that and sometimes they don't top it it's just great i thought that that was i thought that first set from that night was better than the second set yeah me too what about you RJ? what's your tape well um i have three so i don't know where to start um you just take it every option. Yeah, I mean, it's really <laughs> eight shows. <laughs> that's why. That's why I ended up with hundreds of tapes. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you can't I mean, choose. You can't choose. I'm not going to just choose. All right. I guess I would. 
for my first choice, I would go with 529 set two, just because I'll, I'll always gravitate toward a tweezer. But the tweezer, like Landlady, and then mm. tweezer into Plasma, Wolfman's, I mean, that's that's pretty cool as it is. Um, but the the I, I love Miss You. It's like it's one of my favorite fish songs. And ending a set with Harry Hood and then getting a tweezer reprise in the encore, that's like that's that's peak fish listening, in in my opinion. This was my second choice. Yeah, I love this set. I've listened to this set twice now already. It's really, really good. That's a great set. Did you say your third choice? What's I only said choice? my first. No, you said your first. Okay. I said my first. My my third my third would be five twenty seven set two. Um the the Soul Planet is a really like not hasn't been chattered about enough, I think. It's a really great, great jam. And also these one of the reasons I said elusive earlier about the tour is like if you look at these set twos, they're all five or six song second sets. So like mm-hmm. on a tape, you know, that's that's two or three songs per side. And you don't you don't even see that on like my ninety seven J cards that much until we get like deep into fall. So these are these are like if you look at them on the internet and you're like, wow, these sets are look incredible. Um and that just that that was consistent throughout, I think. And these they're like kind of effortlessly playing these 15, 20 minute jams, you know, like we talked about the other day. There there's 16 jams in eight shows that are more than 15 minutes, which is and there are a couple that were like 13 or 14. I mean, that's it's a lot of it's a lot of improv that I think doesn't seem to really be hard for them to do, which is just kind of amazing to me. I'm listening to uh, a lot of August 2012 for a future episode. And every one of those second sets are like nine to 10 songs (laughs) at a minimum. It's a lot of like, they get into a cool jam space and then they get out of it and they play like six songs in a row and none of it really fits together. Some of it's fun, but it's just like, here's a song. Cool. Done. Here's a song. And to your point, like these sets for whatever criticism people have pushed forward on this tour, which I'm open to that discussion always. um, The fact that they're able to get to this musical space where they jam and then the next song tends to be pretty thoughtful in terms of what it is that they're going with. You talked about the mountains in the mist earlier. You talked about miss you here there's a flow to these sets that like if a song starts up after a jam, you don't necessarily think to move on to the next song or to the next jam or move on to the next show. There's a lot of sets that you want to listen to as a complete package. Yeah. My choice here is five twenty seven set two. Slow. That was llama. my other one. Yeah. Other it's one. very good. Slow Llama opens things up all for the free webcasters out there. Soul Planet, Ghost, into Sense and Subtle Sounds, into Chalk Dust Torture, and then Loving Cup. Loving Cup, not in an encore for the first time since the Baker's Dozen. Plus all the quadraphonic toppling insanity in the Soul Planet. Just amazing, amazing stuff. Um, fluid set. I put this on and I don't, I don't press next at all. It's over. And then I'm like, cool. Now I'm going to listen to another set like that. That was great. 
<laughs> Great set. From a listener standpoint, Matt Higgins has got 527 set two. Austin, Deer Creek, Night Two, set two. That was a great set. That's the You Enjoy Myself Wave of Hope. Mm. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Geez. I listened to that on Relisten a bunch. That was awesome. Jamie's got 529 set two as well. And Matt, correct me. You're right. It was not the last non encore Love Me Cup. It was the last set two closing encore but yes Thank Love you, Matt, Cup for... opened Thanks, Matt. Set two don't let brian mislead the fans i i am just full of misinformation aren't i all right let's rarely. move on very rarely brian very very rarely. rarely let's move on here to the next topic at hand what excites you the most about fish right now rj i kind of sp- i sprung this question on you on monday and I wanted to give you two days to mull it over. And I know it's the only thing you've been thinking about. In every one of our meetings, I keep seeing you like off in the distance looking and wondering, like, what does excite me about fish right now? But I'm not going to ask you yet because I want to know what Megan has to say. Because Megan, Jeez, that was like I know a real take out. Do you want me? Do you, do you, are you ready? No, are you no, prepared? no. Do you want me to ask you? I'm ready. Yeah. Do it. Um, this is going to sound like such a fluff. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna not start with the sentence I was gonna start with. That they're having fun and they're trying new things. You know, they're pushing the song catalog. They're trying new things. They look energized and having fun. I also have been thinking so much about these MSG shows. Those shows were fire. I mean, they were so much fun. Such high energy, incredible music. I was thinking about this a lot because I was listening to the episode that I couldn't be on the other day, and you guys were talking about the evolution of the sound and if it's okay if they're not evolving all the time. And I actually do think that it's okay if they're not evolving all the time. I think they're in a great spot right now. They're playing some unbelievable music from some great jamming, having a lot of fun. That excites me. That's all I need. I'm a simple girl. It is an interesting proposition that like, this band that was formed around humor and friendship and experimenting together in multitude of ways and playing ragtag festivals that just kind of came together on someone's random farm that your friends could come to and not have to worry about the cops being there or any curfew or anything like that. That that spirit of like fun as it really is like that, that is permeated fish and is, you have to qualify that by saying that I'm not fluffy. Like that is the goal. Exactly. You're right. I sometimes get way into my head and like overanalyze a show when I'm there. And I have to just like remind myself, like literally everyone around you is having like the most fun that they're going to have for weeks. And that's the point. Yeah. It's just fun. What about you, RJ? What excites you the most about fish right now? I mean, I hate to be that guy, but the fact that they're having so much fun is exciting to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to admit that on a fish on a podcast that was started nine years ago this week to celebrate wow. the music of fish. And it, you know, who knew that we would be excited about fish being happy. But um, in addition to that, the, the, the effortless jamming, I mean, it just doesn't, these openers of 15, 20 minutes, several of these shows and, and the jam lengths that we talked about, it's just, I don't think it's really like the twist that opened the tour I listened to today. 
I don't even think they like were thinking about like let's make this a long jam. I think I think it just happened, and it seems like that that I don't know if it's like it's almost like Tab, you know. Tab used to be Tab would always just be like long jams, no matter what. Now Tab is like shorter jams relative to before, but it just I don't know. It, it feels effortless, and that's exciting because I think you get the the sand from the last night of Deer Creek. Like I think they build incrementally, you know. So like. If they can just jam for 15 minutes or 20 minutes, then getting to 30 or 40, which is when things really get interesting, is not that hard, right? When like every jam is nine minutes long, it's harder to build up to something really special. So to me, it it, it just is exciting because I think it means that they're going to be more unique jams in the next leg of the tour, partially because I also think the jam vehicle is like totally unimportant right now. So like any as we've talked about like anything could be played for any amount of time and i think that's exciting and i feel like the more they're playing these longer jams more effortlessly the more that leads to unexpected long really special pieces of improv effortless is the right word too i think that that's something they've totally nailed yeah my answer here was the willingness to jam anything anywhere and i think it just ties in with what you guys are saying like I, I don't totally, I mean, I think like if I go back to like the initial appeal for fish for me, it was not jamming. It was this sense of like anything can happen at this concert, which I guess technically is jamming, but it was this combination of classic rock and baseball. The sense that you, you go to a show and anything can happen. You're going to see something new at any single show you go to. And there's a statistic element to it. There's an obsessive element to it but then as i got into the band it became about the jams and it became about like when they get into a really unique jamming space there's music that's being made in the moment that i've never heard in any other situation before you know you have to go to like extended jazz to like get to like a deeper level of what's happening from a communication standpoint and when that went away in early 3.0 it was always this part of me that was like i understand why it's not there right now, but I definitely wish it would come back. And when that started to reemerge in like 2011, especially around the Dick's 2012 run. But even then, like there were still like pushes and pulls of like, there would be shows where there weren't a lot of jams and the band would just like, they'd play a lot of songs since the Baker's dozen. We've been at a point where like, you don't even have to think about that anymore. And now they're at a point where like they open shows with jams, they encore with jams, they play jams mid first set, they play jams again in the second set. And I know there's a lot of criticism around like, well, they're slower, they're sloppier now, but they jam. So people are just like, it's the pissing in the ears type of remark about fish. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like what you were saying, Megan, like I'm pretty basic in the sense that like i know what i like about fish and if they're going to do that a lot i'm going to be really happy and really excited yeah just give me more jams don't play any songs just jams. i think we're I mean, when, I, fun. when i first started listening to fish i didn't like the jams either because i was like terrified i was like on substances like scared to death <laughs> and that, that would happen so like now i like them because i'm less exciting in my own life but i feel like <laughs> when I first listened to them, I wanted like things I could grab onto. I just wanted to party and have fun and listen to like this really youthful music because I was super into the dead and that felt soul fulfilling, but it wasn't as much fun 
93 and 94, 95 for me. So even though I, that's mostly what I did is listen to the Grateful Dead, but, and I still do, but this felt exciting and young and um, fun. First fish jam I ever heard was the banger tweezer on a live one. And I know what you mean when you say you were terrified. Cause I was like, what yeah. the hell is, how do you play a song for 30 minutes? I was, I was so terrified. Um, all right. We've got two more questions here. This next one may elicit yelling, screaming, kicking from the podcast. I don't know. We'll see where this goes. Did fish play quadraphonic toppling? I feel like I should go last. RJ. No, I don't, I don't care at all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really don't. I want, I want to care. <laughs> but I just don't. I don't care if you care. I want to know your answer. <laughs> yes. Okay, Brian. No. I knew it. I knew it. I'm a rule follower, man. And like, I learn a lot from fish.net. And when fish.net says that they didn't play anything, I'm like, okay, I, you, you guys, you guys built a strong case. They really did. I mean, they really did. And I understand their reasoning. I totally understand their reasoning and I've processed it and it makes a lot of sense to me. But I think that Trey thinks they played it. So I think they played it. I mean, not that I know what Trey thinks, but I do think that the band thinks that they may have played quadraphonic tampling and has a more flexible idea of what the song is than fish.net. So I think they played it and I hope they play it again just to, Fuck with us. I have a feeling we're going to hear that snippet at some point, one or two more times before the. You mean the over. snippet or the song, Brian? The the lyrics sung over some type <laughs> you see, of music. RJ, I he's trying to just like <laughs> correct me, but in like a respectful way. Yeah, <laughs> I just think they're going to try to screw us over. They're going to try to mess with us in a really funny way by like being in a really dark jam and being like quadraphonic toppling. I can't wait. I'm gonna if I get to talk. I'm gonna I'm gonna find. I want to find out. I'm gonna try to find please, out. Please, please, let's end this. Let's end. We this. have to find out. All right. Last question here. Probably the most important question of all. What was your favorite jam of the tour? And RJ, I'm gonna start with you. Because I know you have to go be a responsible parent. I actually do too. Just so you guys know, for the record. Oh yeah, same here. I have to. Go I gotta go be a responsible parent. dad after this. Um, my son's at chemistry camp right now, and I have to go pick him up. <laughs> wow, so cool. That's that's really adorable. That's it's so just a cute. It's it's really. Do adorable. they wear lab coats? Do. Sorry. Oh god, that's it's cute. Really okay. Um, let's do a lightning round then, so we can all wrap up quickly. You want me to go first, Brian? You go first. I mean, it's got to be the sand from Night 3 of Deer Creek. I mean, it's just such a special and interesting piece of music. Listen to it a bunch of times. I'll keep going back to it. There's just um, far, far and away the best of the tour, I think. I do think that um, Soul Planet from 527 is underrated, though, but but not not nearly as interesting as the sand. That sand, something else. Mm. Megan, what do you got? I mean, I have a list of like five, but the, my first one is definitely, this is weird because it's not super long, but the free from 528, that set closer, it was awesome, funky, rhythmic, 
interesting, cool, crazy synth stuff, rock star ending, nasty groove. I loved it. So I texted you all when this was happening. I don't like this song. It's starting to grow on me just because of this. The I listened to it again today before we went live. The Away of Hope Jam. Um, so good. It's good. Uh, it's everything we talk about, fun, effortless. They're just jamming without any sort of like care in the world. That is this jam. You know, they play this, you enjoy myself. It shocks everyone because of the placement. Everyone immediately is like, holy crap, they're opening the second set with this first time since the 80s. What is happening? And then they go to the vocal jam and you're like, okay, it's not really going to be a crazy you enjoy myself. But then they go back into the jam. And that jam sounds like it could be like 45 minutes. Like that is a great, great jam. And then they go into Wave of Hope. And my immediate thought was like, oh, man, why not just keep – and then that starts jamming. And that jam is just like Trey with his guitar just like blasting the crowd with hose energy. It's just unbelievable, unbelievable yeah. stuff. I don't think there was a wrong answer. I think everyone had the right answer. My thought – Initially was the tweezer from the wharf. Uh, I think the sand was the best jam, but a way of hope is the jam. I'm going to have just a nice. ton of pleasure listening to over and over again. Austin says the Sahara sized <laughs> sand. It's a good, good way to describe that. That was a massive sand. I do think both the jams you guys mentioned are awesome. And the tweezer is great too. Mm-hmm. Matt says, I love how they inverted the Wave of Hope Yem show opener at the forum. Great, great pick. That's a good point. I remember that from being there, that they open with Wave of Hope and then they go into Yem and you're like, what the hell? So I think we did it. I think we recapped the tour. We don't have to talk about spring 2022 now until 2027 when we celebrate its five-year anniversary. No, we'll probably talk about it later this summer. But um, this was a ton of fun. We'll be back. Not this weekend. We're going to take some time off here. We're going on hiatus for five days. We'll be back on Monday. We've got an awesome guest. Mr. Rob Mitchum is going to be joining us on Monday. And we're going to be talking about 613 and 614, 1997. The summer European tour openers. Tons of debuts. Like 15 debuts across two shows the initial hints of what cow funk was going to do for fish. I'm really, really excited about this. So join us at 4.30 PM Eastern for a deep dive into the first two nights of summer 1997 in Europe. Before we go, who wants to tell us about Sunset Lake CBD, our sponsors? Oh, I'd be happy to. Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located just outside of Burlington, Vermont. For years, Sunset Lake was a dairy farm producing milk for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And in 2019, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. They are awesome because they embrace Vermont's tradition for land stewardship. They use sustainable, regenerative farming techniques. They build and protect healthy soils. They're 100% pesticide-free, use minimal tillage, and implement cover crops and crop rotations. They also serve as a research farm for the University of Vermont's agronomists to study hemp and inform best industry practices. And Sunset Lake CBD goes so well with Couch Tour. If you're not able to go to shows, 
this is such a great way to spend the night. You're still got family around, you're doing dishes, you know, you've got to like make snacks for kids sometimes, you know, you got to do some stuff still. Sunset Lake's great for that. They also have some new sleep CBD gummies with melatonin that I've been really enjoying. So check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com. Use the coupon code HFPOD and you get 20% off all your products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer owned, Vermont grown. We are also sponsored by Cash or Trade, the only secondary ticketing marketplace where fans buy, sell, and trade tickets at face value. Fans are able to DM each other before, during, and after a transaction. They can rate and review each other when transactions completed. There are no added fees to sell your tickets. All sales are fully protected by Cash or Trade's trader protection policy, which guarantees your money back should there be any issues. Users can avoid purchase fees with a gold membership subscription. Visit cashortrade.org to, to learn more as well as to utilize their services. With that, Megan, enjoy the last two days of teaching that you have. Thanks. We cannot wait for you to be just this podcast for the next That's all I'm doing all summer. That's it. All you're doing. Just HF pod. Cancel vacations. We're talking fish. Yep. talking fish tour. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. So awesome. Me too. I will see you next Monday to talk. Well, I'll see you at some point next week to talk summer, both 97, as well as next Wednesday. Just so everyone out there is listening, we'll be talking uh, August 2012. So lots yep. and lots on the horizon. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Meg, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Thanks, Brian. Bye, everyone. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com.